This is the Blaze Radio On Demand. The founder of this company, 10 years ago, was trying to sell his house. He's, you know, he's kind of an important guy. And he said to his wife, if this is what it's like for us, how do people who have no clout ever get around this? So he started a company and it went into business, I think, three years ago. Their deal is, their word is their bond. And they are people that listen to this show. They are just like you. Now, how can I say that? Because I'm the founder of the company. Realestateagentsitrust.com. You're listening to The Church Boys Free Fall Q&A. It's Billy Hollowell here with The Church Boys Podcast, and I have reporter Michael Helicar on the line. I'm excited to chat with you, and I appreciate you taking the time. Right now, everybody is talking about The Conjuring 2. Uh, the first film back in 2013, I think, really scared a lot of people because the basis of that film, just like The Conjuring 2, uh, was a real-life story of something that a family in Rhode Island for the first movie had claimed they had gone through. And now the second film... Uh, really deals with this this family's plight in the UK, and this happened back in the late 1970s. And you, what what I love about your sort of piece of this story is that you're a reporter uh, with the Daily Mail now. You're with the Daily Mirror at the time when this happened, and you were sent to go in, uh, meet with the family, and report on what was going on in this in this house. So, I guess you know my first question for you: take me through. Your experience, when did you first hear about the Enfield um, issue, what was going on in the house, and how did you end up going there to report it? Um, and, 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 the, and the Enfield Times ran a story about it, and the um, Daily Mirror, in common with a lot of other news, national newspapers, they picked it up. Now, we sent along uh, a reporter and a photographer to have a look at it, and what was coming back was... Um, um, uh, was you know pretty pretty strange, and um, I was the paper's uh, chief writer at the time, and I was so I was sent along really to um, uh, to verify everything that that they reported back, just to see if there was um, any way in which um, <coughs> with they were being you know they they were being fooled. Um, so I went along and um, and I arrived unannounced. Um, and I just turned up, and then um, went into um, and I explained what I, I explained. You know, I was just there to to write about it and to see what was happening. Did you, when you were going into it, based on what you had already heard, did you think, "Oh gosh, this is made up. This is ridiculous." You know, what were your thoughts going into the house that day? Um, I had a completely open mind because these things, um, strange things, do happen. They do happen, but in a, in in a lot of cases. You see, the, this family um, lived in um, a house subsidised by, uh, by the local borough. Um, it wasn't their own house. And, and sometimes, <coughs> sometimes um, families will claim that their house is haunted or something like that in order to try and get moved by the council to move to a better house. So that's your first suspicion, that, that they're doing it with an ulterior motive. So... Um, so I, but I did have an open mind. I did know I, I, I'd investigated these sort of stories before seen obvious fakes and seen ones that couldn't be explained. So, um, I knew what to, I knew what to look out for. And I knew that the, 
um, the ideal thing for me was to um, experience as much as I could with no one else in the room. So, what, so when I went there, I asked where the most of the activity was. Well, I knew I knew a lot of it was in the kids' bedroom, and I knew a lot of it was in the kitchen. So, um, I went into the kitchen, and I was alone in the kitchen. And then um, a Lego block, building kids' building block, um, just just lifted itself out of a box and and threw it, hurled itself across the room at me. So now, there's no, there could have been no trickery. No one else could have done that. See? And nobody so, was in the room. It was just you. And so this block. Just, what just are you me. thinking? It was just just <laughs> me in the room. What were you thinking at that at that moment? Um, well, I mean, I wasn't, you know, I wasn't happy about it because I didn't, uh, I didn't want to, um, uh, if there was anything particularly spooky there, uh, like uh, a poltergeist, which a t- poltergeist tends to attach itself to people. And I didn't want to at- itself, attach itself to me and me to go home and it to, then it to, uh, to, um, uh, start affecting my children because poltergeists do affect children. You know, whatever they are, whether they're ghosts or just just spirits or mental things, I don't know. But but they do exist. So so I I then um, uh, so I saw this happen, and then um, a quite heavy cabinet in the room. I mean, much too big a cabinet for anyone to lift. Um, it was on the wall, and it just fell, just fell, fell to the ground. And I had a look at the fixings <laughs> on the wall. And the fixings on the wall, uh, they hadn't crumbled, they were still there. Uh, this had simply been lifted off the very, very firm uh, screws that held it to the wall, and it come come down to the ground. How long so, between the Lego and between that? Like, how much time was there between the two things? Um, oh, just, just a few, just a few minutes. Wow. Just a few minutes. Um, so, I then, um, I then went out of the kitchen and... Um, and talked to the uh, talked to Mrs. Hodgson, the mother, and she said to me, "Well, uh, you know, we get this sort of thing all the time. Said so this isn't unusual." Um, she said, "But you know, why don't you why don't you stay for a while and uh, see if anything else happens?" Well, there was um, there was all sorts of rapping coming from upstairs. There was, I was downstairs on on the ground floor, and um, the floor above was the children's bedroom. And um, where I did a lot of activity. Anyway, the children, the children all came down, and they were in the room with me. And I heard this rapping on the floor upstairs, which is which was the ceiling of the room where I was sitting. And I went upstairs um, straight away and had a look, and there was there was nobody in the room, uh, nothing happening. And um, so everyone in the house was accounted for. So. Um, then a couple of police policemen, uh, a policeman and a policewoman came. Now they had been to the house originally, and they had seen uh, very heavy furniture sliding towards them. And there wasn't any, and they examined it for slopes to see if there was any, you know, any incline, anything like that. Examined it for wheels, and there was no way that that it could have moved. I mean, they couldn't even move it themselves very easily, but it was just sliding along as if it was on wheels. Anyway, now policemen, of course, are notoriously um, sceptical of these things, and they're also uh, very careful not to uh, actually authenticate anything like that in case they get laughed at back at the police station. 
But these two police officers were absolutely adamant what they saw. They didn't mind their names being used. They didn't mind uh, who knew uh, what they'd seen. And they, um, and they said, you know, that they looked in occasionally at the house, although they're actually terrified of everything, uh, because they thought that there was some, that the family would be in some sort of danger if whatever this spirit was, whatever this thing was, that was moving things around, you know, in case it got too dangerous. So um, I visited, I suppose, about um, 30 or 40 times <coughs> over the next over the next few weeks. Wow. So you were there, I mean, you were there quite a bit. This was not just one or two visits. You were there... That's right. I was there, I was there, I was there quite a lot. I mean, I was... Um, I mean, and I saw all sorts of different, experienced all sorts of different phenomena there. There were also a couple of, uh, of investigators from the from the very scientific psychical research society. Very, they're independent, and they are, and they are um, very, very skeptical. And they had been there for a long time before me, and they'd been they'd been noting everything down. Now, um, it's important. Um, to know that uh, various photographers and um, and uh, sound uh, sound recorders had also been there and picked up all sorts of things. There was a very mysterious thing one night when uh, a BBC uh, program maker turned up with a, a very very good tape recorder, state of the art tape recorder, and this tape recorder it worked outside the house. It worked in the car, but it would not work in the house. It just jammed. It would not work. Oh wow! Now, now this is this is quite a common phenomenon when it, with anything like this, where electronic things just just jam up. Anyway, it would it would not work. It would not work, and they had to do everything like talking to the kids and talking to the mother and so on, and talking to us. They had to do it outside in the street because it wouldn't work in the house. Um, there was a photographer called Graham Morris who. Um, He'd set up um, a camera in the in the in the girls' bedroom, uh, and that the camera would would only be activated with movement. Um, and um, uh, this was and this had captured uh, this had captured the girl Janet being hurled across the room. Right now, there is no way in these pictures. There's no way that she was able to jump because the camera would have gone off as she was actually rising out of her bed jump instead of that instead of that it actually captured her when she's lifted up in the air and and being hurled across the room now those 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 pictures were pretty conclusive but okay pictures can be faked if you you know if you if you want to fake right. them there's no reason why the photographer should actually <laughs> fake them because he was there um, working for the daily mirror and there to you know independently verify it so it would look pretty silly if it was found to be it was found to be a fake. But over the um, over, over quite a long time, and then we started talking to we started talking to neighbours and and even passers-by who'd seen things, strange shapes at the windows, um, and um, uh, and we and there was many independent people that, as we could we talked to because. Talking to the children was one thing, um, but if if there was a, if there was a, if it was fake, there was some cheating going on, and obviously <laughs> they're going to maintain that. Right. Um, well, yeah, and that's the, the yeah. But 
but when you saw the uh, the terror and um, everything that 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 they the fear and everything they were, that they were going through, you could see that you know this was this was real. Now, one of the spooky, one of the really spooky things was um, um, was whatever this was that was haunting. It would it would speak through the children in a very 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 low deep slurred voice. Did you ever hear that when you were there? Oh yes, you heard that yes, because because the, the, the children the children when when this happened the children would actually be speaking to you and it would be coming out. They they would not be aware of what they're saying, but this voice was coming out. Their lips were moving, and it was all. Uh, too deep, too slurred, and too consistent for the kids to actually make it up. Well, what's more, it's not just the boys, but the girls who were speaking <coughs> like this too. Wow. And now, then, go on. Well, th- so just correct me if I'm wrong. The girls, and this is not a detail that's reported a lot in the stories about the conjuring that have been out there, but the girls, did they use a Ouija board before this all started? Was that sort of where all of this, or the no, claim was that no, this started after that? No, uh, no, 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 not, um, not, that, not that that was ever ever reported or, or ever known. Um, we did ask if, um, if there'd been any sort of, uh, you know, if they'd been messing around with anything like, uh, if they'd had um, any, any psychics or anything like that uh, coming to see them and, and, uh, uh, which might have started this off, and um, and, and they hadn't. Um, so it just uh, started this, one day. For that, they, they they were they were they were a poor family, um, not an educated family. Uh, you know, blue collar people, um, and um, the any fakery would have been uh, beyond them. Quite honestly, certainly fakery of this of this type. You know, because there were. Um, you know, you'd be you'd be sitting there, and suddenly there'd be the most icy draft come past you, and there'd be as if someone had, had opened a freezer door, um, and there'd be nothing to account for it. You'd you'd find suddenly you'd find a puddle of water at your feet, and that'd come from nowhere. Wow. There'd be bad smells, and there'd be, um, uh, and then sometimes out of the corner of your eye, you might see just a movement, something. Um, something that would be um, almost I- imperceptible, but you've been aware that there had been something there, and then, and then up in the um, up in the bedroom, which, as I say, was the main hub of the activity, um, the uh, the mother Peggy uh, would straighten the sheets on on the bed on one of the beds, um, and. Um, uh, she'd do that because she'd come into the room and find an imprint of a body as, as if someone had been sleeping there. So she straightened it out, right? Only to find that the shape, the shape, and this was this was of quite a big man, of quite a big person, wasn't a kid's shape. You know, the shape would be back there later as if someone had been sleeping there. So, um, so with all these all these incidents, as I say, they're all independently. Um, all independently uh, witnessed. Um, you know, we only we only really uh, were interested in the things that other people had seen, not just the not just the family. How did um, how did this over the period of thirty plus times being there, experiencing these things, interviewing people? 
How did this change you, if at all, as a person? You know, as a reporter, it's one thing you go in there objectively and you try to. Re- but how did this change you? This experience? Well, it didn't. No, it didn't. It didn't change me. I mean, I didn't. You know, I I was. Um, I don't say I was. I, I wasn't terrified, but I didn't. I didn't like it. I mean, I knew that. I mean, I, I wouldn't want to be alone in the house so long as I was as I was with a lot of people. <coughs> I was I was okay about that, but. Um, uh, but no, I mean it was a it was a, it was a good story, but um, um, uh, and a mystifying one. And as I say, I mean you know because I'd been a reporter for a long time, I knew these things happened. But um, also, it was quite possible for these things to be faked. But in this in this instance, uh, too many things happened that couldn't possibly be faked by kids or indeed by anyone, simply because. You know, it's as if things would materialise out of out of anywhere. And then, and then there was one night when um, uh, when a tape recorder was working. Um, when um, uh, when Janet, the girl, suddenly she started speaking in this strange voice. Now it wasn't the same voice that the other kids had been using. This was a rasping voice. And it says, and it suddenly, she suddenly said, "My name is Bill. Just before I died, I went blind. Then I had a hemorrhage, and I fell asleep and died in the chair in the corner." Now, nothing. This didn't mean anything to anyone. See, but um, but the the family and 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 we got in touch with the neighbours who'd lived there much longer, and um, they they didn't know anything about it either. But when this tape was played on a radio program, a man got in touch to say he recognised his father's voice. His name was Bill Wilkins, he said. He confirmed his father had lived at that house many years earlier, and he died exactly as he described. And there was there was some data, some corroborative evidence uh, for this, that, that he was the son, that, that, that the man had lived there and so on, and and he had died under those circumstances. Oh, no wow. That's, that's very creepy. I mean, all of this is, is creepy. Now, let me, ask you, let me ask you this. How did this end? You, how did it end for the family? At what point did these activities stop? What do we know about, about that? Well, um, they, con- um, they continued for, I suppose, about 18 months. And, um, and then one of the investigators, uh, what had happened was, um, it, it seemed to calm down um, a, a little bit, um, but one of the investigators um, was visited by um, uh, two um, psychic medium friends from uh, from Holland, and they 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 just you know they heard about it. They came to see you know what they could make of it, and and almost immediately they made contact with whatever it was that was causing the trouble um, and it took them 15 minutes of talking to him calmly um, and the nastiness died down at once you could feel the atmosphere lift um, and the girl Janet uh, went to sleep that night for 14 hours it was the first uninterrupted sleep she'd had in nearly two years and after that there was there was very little trouble I mean life pretty well returned to normal as, as normal as it could be for the family after that and and in fact, the family um, family refused. They refused to move, even when things had got so bad. And the borough had said, uh, "Look, we'll you know we'll rehouse you." 
so there was no question that they weren't they weren't doing it to um, to get rehoused, which, as I say, was the usual uh, was was the usual thing. But uh, but but uh, no, it just it it faded out. And I mean, there have been instances in other <coughs> alleged hauntings where a psychic has come along and made a clairvoyant and made contact with whatever is causing it and explained, look. You know, you you've passed on now. You've got to go to the other side. You know, there's nothing here for you. And then it does sort of go away, does does go away like that. But but this this was um, this was certainly um, the most uh, horrific um, and compelling um, haunting that any of these um, professional investigators had investigated. I mean, and and so many things, as I say. Uh, couldn't just couldn't be explained. I mean, um, uh, one night the um, there was a tremendous noise coming from the kids' bedroom upstairs, and everyone everyone was downstairs, and everyone was downstairs, and um, there's a tremendous vibrating noise coming. It was as if someone was drilling a great big hole in the wall. So we went in um, to find that the the heavy old Victorian cast iron fireplace um, must have weighed 60 pounds, had been simply been ripped out the wall. Um, you, you couldn't lift it, let alone rip it out. So, and um, uh, certainly none, none of the kids, none of the kids could have done that. As I say, they weren't there anyway. You know, this had been cemented into the wall as well as fixed, fixed with screws. So, so, um, you know, so it was, you know, just yet another example of of things that um, you know that no one could no one could explain. Why do you um, think? Why do you think? I know there are some people who have said, "Well, Janet admitted to embellishing some things, so the whole thing can't be true." Then, and there are some people who concluded right. that. Why? Right, Janet. Janet admitted that um, that she felt the pressure that when people turned up and they were expected things to happen, she said. They would they would try and start things off by doing something right. She said that was about two percent of the time, um, and the and the ones that but the ones that she did, they were so pitifully, so blatantly obvious, you know, like a bit of spoon bending, that um, uh, that uh, that could be discounted. But you see, the important thing with all this was that. You can't discount the whole thing just because um, the kids said that some of the time, some of the time, uh, they faked it. Because then, how did they fake? How possibly could they fake the many, many things that happened when they weren't there, and things that physically they couldn't have, uh, they couldn't have uh, uh, manipulated? You know, I mean, how can I be? How could I be sitting in a chair? Um, when suddenly at my feet a puddle of water appears, um, and, there, and there's nobody near me, there's no, there's no way to. I mean, obviously we would look to see if there was anything there, but uh, no way. And so, so it was. I think the danger with um, with this story was always that if they were caught, if they were caught faking something, then everyone would say. Oh well, then the whole thing's a fake, right. and 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 that would get us nowhere because there was undoubtedly something very very spooky happening there. 
Did anybody reach out to you from the you know the production team for the Conjuring Two? Have you talked to anybody you know from that no. team? No. Interesting. No. I would imagine much of what you reported on was probably included in in part of that. I know that a lot of the story came from Lorraine Warren, you know, the paranormal investigator who's still alive. Her husband has passed away, but and they had flown out I think in 1978 uh, to visit the house there, but. Um, you know, I guess, yeah, it's one of those things where you have a lot of people who have said, no, a lot of strange things happen here. And it is hard to dismiss all of that, um, as, oh, you know, that was made up, especially the things you've described. I think it, it some of that stuff is just pretty terrifying and also not stuff that, that kids could do. So l- let me ask you this, cause I know Janet does not like to speak about this. Very rarely does she speak in fact about, fine, about yeah. all of this. Yeah. Have you interacted with any of the family members over the years since your original investigation? No, I've not. I've not had any contact with them since the original. No, no. I have. Um, I have been in contact with the uh, with the professional investigators, but um, uh, when there was a TV program made about it last year, but or TV TV dramatization, but uh, but no, the um, uh, the family themselves were. Uh, they were left shell-shocked by it all, um, and, um, and they're certainly, certain, but they're certainly not in any way capitalized on it, because they simply just not wanted to talk about it, yeah, and, which, and, the, and the mother herself died a few years ago anyway. It, which it's, it's fascinating, because the, in the first Conjuring, I don't know how much you know about it, but the real-life family was very involved. They were part of the promos, they were doing interviews. And I noticed very quickly that with this film, they were not. This family's not involved at all. And in That's fact, you know, trying to That's find right. any of them is difficult. Um, which, which to their credit, I think, it, it sort of adds some credibility to their story, though. Too not that not yeah. that speaking out doesn't, but I do think when you're that unwilling to speak, um, it does show there's a level of not wanting to marinate and live in that in that incident. Um, That's right. That's right. Yes. Any other yeah. final thoughts or, or elements that you'd want to share with people about what um, you experienced there? Well, I mean, I think the thing is that um, it's to look at this with this sort of thing with uh, with an open mind. There's lots of things out there we, that we don't know about. We don't know how, how how or why they happen. I think where these uh, where this sort of phenomena uh, gets a bad press is when people try to explain it or rationalize it or, or if they try to or if they um, or if they try to dismiss everything on the basis of one thing that is is faked or could be faked um, you can't dismiss the whole picture you have to look at everything and and then see how um, uh, see you know what um, uh, what what can be explained and what can't I mean, a, a long time ago, when when Yuri Geller was um, making big waves, um, I went to um, I went to uh, see him, and um, uh, and I wasn't uh, I wasn't I wasn't investigating him, but um, we were actually just uh, going to buy his story with him explaining um, what he could do without us without us challenging him. This was another thing altogether. So. But a professional magician said to me, oh, when you go to see him, um, this is how he will do the spoon bending. This is the trick he uses to do the mind reading. This is the trick he uses to distort this and distort that. And, oh, I, I, didn't, 
I didn't want to. I didn't. I have to say, it wasn't part of my story, but but I was just interested to see how it could be faked. And so when I did go to see Geller, I spent about three days with him, and um, and all these things happened, and there isn't any way that they could have been faked. There isn't any way they could have been faked. Now that now that I knew how they could be faked, I could see that they weren't being faked. But um, uh, so so I, I mean I was quite I'm quite impressed with Geller. I mean I subsequently um, became suspicious, not that the whole thing was fake, but that he was not above faking it. I thought that, you know, he could uh, he could try to make things happen if nothing was nothing um, you know, if nothing was happening na- naturally. And so uh, and again I couldn't dismiss completely everything Yuri Geller did, just as I can't dismiss what was happening to this family. I and mean, this family, I mean these things these things really, really were huge. I mean um, I know that I know that conjurers can reproduce, probably reproduce all these things, but they would need they would need to be able to do it um, with a lot of pre-planning and um, a lot of stooges involved to help them and so on. In this case, in this little tiny little tiny little house, um, you know, there were too many too many things happened in empty rooms um, with nobody 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 there. Um, and too many feats of impossibility, you know, like the time that 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 cabinet fell off the wall, you know, on my first visit, you know, this was, you know, I couldn't lift this cabinet, but the two, but the there were four fixing screws along the wall where where the cabinet had slotted in, um, and this and it had been lifted up over these screws and hurled down. Now, what sort of force can do that? I don't know. It couldn't have been a couldn't have been a child. It couldn't have been me because uh, because it was a long stretch of cabinets and I would have to lift it at one end of the wall and then rush down to the other end of the wall and lift it there. Um, so it couldn't it couldn't be done. It couldn't be done. But um, and I felt that anyone who went there to try to um, I suppose debunk it, which was you know my first mission was to see was to actually see if it really could be verified. And I went, went to bunk it, debunk it, would um, very, very quickly find that um, uh, that they couldn't. You know, some things you could say, well, this, this could be faked in this way or that way, but um, but you can't explain everything. So, so I was... Um, uh, you know that was a that, that that was a genuine haunting, and um, uh, you know whether you believe in ghosts or not, you know the fact is there was there was something there, and uh, let me t- let me tell you, Bill, um, it created the most awful, terrifying atmosphere. Um, you, you, it was palpable; you could feel it in the house, and it would increase as the um, uh, on the nights there was a lot of um, a lot of activity. Um, you know, some nights there wasn't a lot. Some nights there, some nights there was a lot, but you could feel it. Have you ever experienced increasing. anything like it again since then? No, no, no. You probably hope never to experience anything. Well, like that's it. what I hope never to. As I say, as I say, I mean, I did know what little I knew about um, about poltergeists and spirits and things was that 
they do attach themselves to children, like they, like they like it seemed to manifest itself through Janet and the other children there. Um, and I didn't want, I didn't, you know, I had a young family and I didn't want to go home uh, with this thing attached to me and it would then attach to them. So, um, and, and now, you know, as a big, strong, tough, cynical uh, newspaper reporter, um, I'm not supposed to think those things, but, but you know, but I saw it with my own eyes, it happened, you know. And to anyone who says, who says to me, well, um, it couldn't have happened, you know, well, I was there, I saw it, and it did. Yeah, and I, I would imagine, my, my last question for you is sort of in that vein. How did your other, how did your fellow reporters um, react to your experience there, right? To, to you feeling these things, seeing these things, you know, was there a lot of internal newsroom d- debate about all of this? Um, no, it was accepted. I mean, I, as I say, I was, I was the paper's chief writer and also um, uh, hopefully known as someone that, uh, um, that isn't easily fooled because uh, I was the most experienced. And, um, and if I came back and said, this is real, then this is real. And it was, it was just treated as a, um, you know, just as a, a, as a very... It's a very good story, very interesting story. Um, there would, you know, there would obviously always be debate, not just in the newsroom, but among the readers as well about whether whether it was true or not. But um, those of us who uh, those of us who experienced it, you know, know that you know we know what happened, and it, and it certainly did happen. Well, thank you so much for your time. This has been great, and we'd love to have you back again at some point. Um, as this, you know, this story is just starting. I know this is a story that you you've been familiar with for quite a long time now. I think here in the U.S., it's just sort of heating up with the film. Right. And so, I'm sure if you're willing, we'd love to have you back again. I'd love to, love to, Bill. founder of this company 10 years ago was trying to sell his house. He's, you know, he's kind of an important guy. And he said to his wife, if this is what it's like for us, how do people who have no clout ever get around this? So he started a company and it went into business, I think three years ago. Their deal is their word is their bond. And they are people that listen to this show. They are just like you. Now, how can I say that? Because I'm the founder of the company. Realestateagentsitrust.com.